You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 794 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, and today's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Joining me on today's episode, it is Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops and the Step Back and Falcons SI, etc., etc. Zach, hello. How are you? Doing all right. How are you doing, Brad? I'm all right. Uh, it's Sunday evening and then Monday morning. Uh, w- w- the plan for today's podcast is to, is to wrap up the wings. If you missed it early last week, we did uh, two parts on the wings, kind of grouped together in you know second rounders, two way kind of guys, and then a little bit a little bit higher on the totem pole in our part two. This is part three, where we're only going to tackle three players, uh, two of which are I think definite lottery guys for us, and then one of which is a consensus like late lottery mid first round pick and we'll just start there because the guy that we'll lead off with is Aaron Neesmith of Vanderbilt. Uh, Neesmith is not like a unanimous top 10 top 12 guy but if you look at the mainstream boards I would say most of them um, at least the ones that incorporate um, sort of league-wide intel have him in the top 15 16 or so. Uh, In general Zach I know you're a little bit lower on that and Honestly, if you were doing the tiers here, you probably wouldn't have him up here. But because of where he is consensus, that's why we're going to bring him in here. Uh, what do you make of Neesmith? And also, uh, is there anyone that's not on this podcast that we discussed pre- uh, previously that you would actually have ahead of him? Yeah, like I said on the uh, – I guess it was the last one we did. I would have Bane ahead of him, but I think I still would have Neesmith in this tier. I would just add Bane into it, if that makes sense. Um. I mean, Neesmith, obviously, the shooting is legitimate. He's not um, – he's like 20, right? Like, he's not super old. So, I, I definitely understand why he is where he is, and, and I don't think it's a bad pick to take him in the lottery. Um, I just like Bain a little more, especially if you're a team like – so, like, I, I see him as a role player probably. And for me, like, I would rather have – the role player who has the higher floor and like probably, I think Bain probably has a close to as high of a ceiling as Neesmith. And I think he's just more of a sure thing. So that's kind of how I land there, but it's not like I hate Neesmith or anything. For sure. And I I think that's reasonable. I have Neesmith a little bit higher, but I have no problem at all with having Bain in in that same group. Uh, Just to go back to your age comment, Neesmith was a two-year guy at Vanderbilt. He actually got hurt this year, about midway through the season, and never came back. But he'll be 21. His birthday is actually the night of the draft. October 16th, he'll turn 21. So he'll play his rookie season at 21, which is not old, but not super young for a two-year guy. Um, I know he was at Vanderbilt, which is not exactly always a basketball factory, but he was a pretty good four-star high school prospect. Not an elite guy, but made a huge jump in year two. Um, but just to get this out of the way, his shoe numbers in, at Vanderbilt in a 14-game season this year were just unbelievably ridiculous. He shot 50, 52% from three. Uh, it's a relatively small sample size. It's only 115 attempts, but still uh, 52% from three is pretty crazy on real volume, um, even if, even in a pretty small sample size of games. Uh, that is his biggest trait for people that don't, that don't know anything about him. He's about a 6'6", uh, sort of combo wing type um, definitely a shooting specialist potentially, but de- you know, I would say number one appeal is obviously his jump shot. Everyone agrees on that. I think everyone agrees that he's going to be a good shooter. It's kind of just the the the, the, the sort of the degrees of that, like how good of a shooter is he going to be? Is he going to just be a game changer in that way, or is he more of a role player, um, you know, three and D type of guy? So that's where the sort of the consensus is on him. I will say this. You know, no one's going to shoot as well as he did this year at Vanderbilt. But I do, th- I do believe in the shooting. I think he's going to be a really high end shooter. W- whether he'll be like an an elite guy, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I need to see more from that. But I do believe in the shooting. Um, I will say this: I like Nismith's defense more than most people do. I don't, I don't think he's going to be great, but he's pretty physical. He's pretty uh, strong. I think he's going to be just fine. I don't think he's going to be great necessarily, but I think he actually does kind of fit the three and D archetype as someone who I think you definitely want for his offense first and foremost, but 
he's a supporting player. He is a role player, like you said. I think, I guess, maybe people have convinced themselves that he can be more than that. I don't really love him on the ball at all. I think he is more of an off-movement, off-screens, off-curls kind of shooter, um, floor spacer type, than an on-ball player. And with that archetype, I think the 3 and D concept makes a lot of sense for him. And as a result of that, I have him like somewhere in the late lottery, maybe in mid-first mid rounds. So kind of around where he's generally projected. I wouldn't consider him in the top 10. But I think somewhere, when you when you get down to like 13, 14, 15, there are lots of teams that could use him. And honestly, we'll talk about Devin Vassell in, in a little bit, but Neesmith is different than Vassell, but I think he is someone who pretty much would work anywhere. His defense is not like Vassell's. I, I think it's definitely more of a question mark, but because I believe in his defense, it's pretty easy to plug and play Neesmith in, the different, uh, in different places. Yeah, no, I agree about the fit thing. I don't... I don't think he has to have the ball, especially as a rookie. So I think pretty much anywhere he'll he'll be able to just come in and get some shots up. For the defense side, I mean, I do tend to agree. Like, I don't think he's going to be like Buddy Hield on defense. Like, I think he might. He's big. Like, he's he's pretty big. I think he's yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. six six ish. Like six ten wingspan's been reported. I'm not sure about that officially, but he's not small. Like he's pretty physical, and he's not like a six three combo guard. He's he's he has legit yeah. wing size. So I think if you take Neesmith, obviously like the really maybe not the hundred percent outcome, but you know like a ninety ninety five percent outcome is like Buddy Hield with average defense, which would be like a really good player, because um, Buddy Hield is like above average off off on offense and then like well below average defensively. So it's kind of yeah, like you, you certainly can't bank on him being Buddy Hield offensively because that's right, a pretty high that's bar. Thing. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I'm with yeah. you. That that's yeah, a high like, end outcome for him is like a you know a number three option probably offensively and also a pretty good defensive wing like that's a pretty strong archetype if you believe in shooting as people generally do you know that's worth a late lottery pick uh, maybe even higher than that obviously if, if all things work out um you know i'm not enamored with his star upside but i think if the shooting is as good as it could be we've seen role players really pop in a way that you know, can kind of change the game if he's really that level of shooter. And I, I don't project anyone as that level of shooter until they do it in the NBA. Even guys who are doing it now, you got to kind of see it for more than one year before I really, really buy it. But I think at the very least, he's going to be a good shooter who can hold up defensively. And at 6'6", that's a player that any team can really use. So, you know, I'm not over the moon in some ways. I, I've seen him as high as like 6 or 7 for some people. I'm not I'm not that high. I, but I am around where the consensus is. I think somewhere in the mid-teens, I would be yeah. willing to take him for sure. Another good outcome for B would be like if uh, let's just say the upside more like play to the defensive end, he could be like like a Wesley Matthews type. Like if yeah. if he became more of a you know like actually like a good defender and not like quite the level of you know like a Buddy Hield with the ball in his hands. Um, just you know someone who could get a bucket and also maybe guard like one through three. Yeah, I think he can. I think he also like not not a creator by any means in my opinion. But he can attack a closeout. Like he, he can, he can sort of pump fake and go. He can finish a little bit around the rim if he needs to. Passing wise, he's okay. Like I don't think he's going to create offense for you again. But he, he's a ball mover. I think at the highest level. So not a ton of weaknesses, honestly. I don't think there's other than his shooting, there aren't a whole lot of overwhelming strengths in my opinion. But provided he sort of measures where I think he's going to measure and is as strong as I think he's going to be. There's just a lot to like as a role player. And honestly, I haven't talked about him a ton on this podcast because I don't think he's going to be in consideration, at least for me. Even if the Hawks were to fall to seven or eight um, and get really unlucky in the lottery, I probably still wouldn't take him there. And that's kind of why I haven't talked about him. There, there's a group of guys that he is certainly a part of that are widely projected as like mid to late first rounders that are just not in the Hawks range. So I've kind of ignored him on the podcast for the most part. But I do kind of like Neesmith. I think he will be a, a pretty useful pro. Yeah, if you did want to touch on a weakness, which yeah. I don't know if it, it's just not part of his game, really. Uh, I don't know if it's a weakness, but he just doesn't. He only had 16 pick-and-roll ball handler possessions this season. I know it was yeah, only 14, he, 14 games, but he just that is really not a part of his game. Nope. So just put that out there. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I think I sort of alluded to it, but it's one of those things where I don't really see him as a – creator in terms of for other people other than his gravity his gravity has huge appeal and he'll get guarded in places yeah. that other, other guys will get guarded but in terms of just on the ball creation off the dribble and like passing guys open i don't i don't see any of that with facel i think it's not impossible that it develops 
but I think of him as an off-ball guy. He does work. He does run well off screens. That's the kind of stuff that I think, um, you know, is undervalued sometimes, even for role players who are projected. Some guys don't ever really do that at lower levels. Even if you project them to shoot well, they're not asked to do that. Neesmith's kind of always been an off-ball guy, at least that I've seen. So he already has some of the tricks down. I think it would be a pretty uh, plug-and-play option as a, as a result of that. Like Bain's kind of the same way, by the way, that you talked about him earlier. He was more in a prominent role at times as, as a creator at TCU, but uh, certainly someone who has that off-ball stuff down more than most college prospects do. And I think Neesmith, uh, maybe to a little bit less of a level because he's not quite as, as quite as polished, but I like a lot of what he can do off the ball. And I think he understands, or at least will understand, that that's going to be his role in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, it was already his role. I mean, he only had, like I said, he had, uh, what was it, 16 pick and roll possessions. He had 12 isolations. He was good. I mean, he had 15 points on those 12 possessions, so they were probably mostly mismatches, which I think I actually saw a couple of them on yep. film. But, but uh, I mean, so he, had, means, he, had thir- he had 13 assists. <laughs> he had 13 yeah, assists in 14 games, and that's, yeah. and that's just the best player I, on his team. So this is this is why I like Bain more, even though he's older, though. Because if you go look into Bain's numbers on, I mean, he didn't have a ton of stuff like that, but just he's a little more like like he had 113 pick and roll possessions. Yeah, and he was and he was pretty good at it. So like, I don't know, like that's just what gets Bain ahead of Neesmith for me. I do like Bain more as a potential creator in that kind of form than Neesmith. So I'm with you on that. Um, I do. I don't know. It's not crazy at all. I think people are going to look at the consensus boards and think that you're crazy for having Bane ahead. Cause he's generally like 20 spots behind Neesmith on consensus boards. Yeah. I mean, that's fine, but, but no, I'm telling you that, yeah. that it's not crazy. Like it's not, I, I, I think that you're, I'm a little bit higher on Neesmith than Bane, but it's not a big gap. And I, I think in general, Bane is criminally underrated by the consensus numbers. So I'm, I'm with you on a lot of this stuff. I still like Neesmith, but um, at least, I mean, just as a final question, he's, is are Vassell and Okoro, the other, the other two guys that we were talking about on this podcast in a different, in a different tier for you than Neesmith or is, or is one of those guys down in that tier with Neesmith and Bane for you? No. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would agree with that. Like I, I would say that they're, they're at the top two. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. That's a good, uh, primer on Neesmith. Before we get to the last two guys, again, as I mentioned before, they're going to be Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro, a word from the good folks at rockauto.com. With the increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for chain stores to stock all the car and truck parts that you need. So why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait forever while the person behind the counter orders the parts on the computer, choosing only the brand that the warehouse happens to carry? Instead, you have access to rockauto.com, either at home or in your pocket, and it's a much, much better option for you. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, rockauto.com has everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Chain stores have different price tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everybody, and they're always the lowest prices possible. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login of any kind. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why in the world would you spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. From there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by CBMD.com. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. First, CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or a shareable squeeze tube. From there, CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBMD has to offer, they are offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that is CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from, one more time, that's CBDMD.com. All right, Zach, let's go to Devin Vassell uh, from Florida State. 
a uh, by the way, both of these guys, Vassell and Akora, are local products. Vassell went to Peachtree Ridge High School up in Gwinnett. Akoro is from McEachern and Cobb, so uh, both local Atlanta guys. Uh, it's pretty interesting that they're uh, both why we talked about. And by the way, I, I will acknowledge this now. I've talked about these guys a ton, and I will talk about them a ton more because they just make a lot of sense for the Hawks. So I know this, a lot of this stuff's not going to be breaking new ground from the podcast, but if you're a new listener, you might not know about these guys just yet. And if you are a uh, an avid listener, uh, I apologize for any any repetitive stuff on Vassell and Akoro, but it's going to be the case on this podcast. Anyway. Bissell is a guy who, you know, is very highly regarded. I think he's been a high, he's been a quick riser this year. Listed at like six seven, he's pretty skinny, about two hundred pounds ish, six uh, ten wingspan ish as well. Um, we, I've said this a number of times, but just my general way to describe him broadly is he's one of the most projectable players in the draft. I think he is a pretty easy integration almost anywhere as a three and D guy. His off ball defense was really, really good this year. Maybe even like the best in the draft in terms of uh, non bigs anyway. Like he was, he's always in the right spot. He really reads the game. Well, he's not a terribly incredible athlete. Um, he's not that strong either, but he's always in the right place. Got great hands, anticipation, et cetera. And uh, offensively has some creation ability. He's a good shooter. He's got a high, he's got a high release. Lots of like on that on that on that front. I think for me, he's like a pretty just a plug and play, uh, very strong uh, supporting role player type, and that's not sexy. I know that he's got some upside beyond that, but in a league that just needs all kinds of three and D players on the wing, he projects as that, and as a result of a bad draft and the fact that I think he's pretty safe, he lands uh, in the top ten. Yeah, no, I I agree. I just I don't know. It's hard to decide which one of these guys I like better. Like it really is. Because uh, Vassell, you know, you have the more, like, you think you have at least a decent feel that he's going to shoot well. Yes. And then, I, obviously, that's the big thing that's out. But I'm just, like, echoing the kind of debates that have been on, I've seen on Twitter, uh, within Hawks Twitter and just NBA draft Twitter. But I, I think I do like Okoro more at the end of the day. I think just he's going to do some things on the court, like, Honestly, he had and like this is gonna sound weird because this pick hasn't really panned out for the Hawks, but he like has some DeAndre Bembry, just like hustle, like energy, like I don't know if people pay attention, but when Bembry played with Trey, he was always like slashing in, getting dunks, and like the offense might not have been that great when he was out there because of the shooting, which also might be a thing with Okoro. But I think he could play that like dirty work. He could be better in that like dirty worker role in the offense, kind of something they don't have right now. As where like Herder, Cam, and DeAndre, when they get the ball, all those guys are looking for their shots. And it's hard to just have so many guys that are looking for their shots. So I, I think I like having one guy who's just like, I'm going to get offensive rebounds. Yeah, if y'all leave me wide open, I'll shoot it. I'm going to pass to Trey. You know, like I just really like how he plays. And I think that's really all it is. Like I think Vassell is a fine prospect, and he, you know, he's probably a little safer in terms of the offense. But I don't know. It would be hard to pass on a coil if you're sitting there at six. I do think uh, I do think your point there is a good one on like, you know, these guys get, get compared to each other all the time. They're they're obviously similar positions and they're on the same podcast right now for that reason. Um, but they are extremely different players and that makes it really interesting and also really tough in some ways. Vassell, I think you mentioned it. I think Vassell is safer. Um, in part because of the jump shot. I think that's really what it comes down to. Like defensively, they're also they're both good, but they're both really different defensive prospects too. Like Okoro is this super athletic, super strong, explosive, uh, sometimes dominant on ball guy. Whereas Vassell isn't that kind of incredible on ball prospect, but really feels the game um, is uh, as long or maybe longer than Okoro. And off-ball, I think you probably trust him a little bit more right now in some respects. And then offensively, Okoro has so much more, in my opinion, um, off the dribble game. Like, as a finisher around the rim, he really explodes in a line-drive setting. Um, whereas Vassell is a much, much better shooter at the moment. But I'm not sure that he does anything else better than Okoro offensively. That might be a little bit overstating it, but that's uh, they're just really different players. I mean, Vassell, I, I said it before, but what do you think about his non just like straight catch and shoot game offensively because that's that's a lot of what I think people are divided on with Vassell there's this school of thought that maybe he can be more of like I've heard like his ceiling be compared to like Chris Middleton and obviously that's 
really high end uh, ceiling because he's yeah, like an all NBA player. But I mean, it's it's the mid range game that he flashed a little bit at Florida State. Like, what do you make of his? You know, obviously his his three and D numbers in terms of his just catch and shoot ability as a three point shooter are pretty solid. But what else can he do in your opinion offensively? I can't get there with Middleton. Me, either. Middleton, that's too high. But six eight and like, I don't know. Like, I mean, Vassell only had eleven isolations. Yeah, I mean, played, it, like, a lot of his is game. like. I think a lot of his is I could be I could be wrong about this. You probably have the numbers in front of you. I think it's like that he had a bunch of like he can shoot contested mid range. He's got a pretty high release, and he ended up being their late clock guy sometimes. But it wasn't ISOs. It was more like you know beating closeouts. I don't think it's more like spot up, but beating closeouts and that kind of stuff. I, I don't think, think that he's, he's like, a. That's why he's only honestly six six is the thing. Like I don't think like those guys who just dribble into the mid range in the NBA are tall. Like, yeah, I don't think he's going to do that. I really, I mean, I think he's capable of shooting mid-range jumpers. I'm not saying that he's not. It's just that that this is one of the reasons I'm a little skeptical of Vassell as an offensive player beyond the shooting. I think he can move the ball effectively as a passer, but he's not someone that you're regularly blown away by offensively if you watch him on tape. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he needs to be that good either. And I'm, that's not a criticism necessarily because I really love his off-ball defense, and I think his shooting is enough where it's not going to be a problem anyway. But he really just might be a low usage offensive player that's a floor spacer. You can't leave him alone, but I'm not sure that I see the offensive upside that I've heard some people talk about. Like I'm not closing the door entirely, but he doesn't he's not explosive for sure. And to your point, I'm not sure that he's gonna be a guy that you want creating like late shot clock opportunities. Can he can he, can he maybe do that once uh at, at some point in his career? Sure. But uh and the high release is helpful, but I'm not sure he's getting by anybody at the NBA level either. That's that's my other concern with Vassell's offense. Well, I don't know. I just look at it like this. Like, okay, the six six guys who shoot mid range on a vol- on enough volume that matters in the NBA. Those are guys are like Devin Booker, Zach Levine. Like they're elite ball handlers. They're like a bucket. I just don't. I don't know. I don't think Devin Vassell is just going to walk in the NBA and just no. He <laughs> he's like, not going to just do that. be like, oh yeah, let me just. I don't know. No, Maybe for, he will. And for me, but he's like, still he's know. still a. This is, people have this uh, recoil when I say this. He's still a defense first prospect. I like his defense more than his offense, and that, that doesn't mean you're bad on offense. It just means that no, of all the things were, that I like about him, it's his team defense is number one for me. Still, you were right though. Like whenever you, I mean, in my opinion, whenever you said he's a great shooter, and you don't know what else he's that good at on offense. I mean. His profile, his synergy profile, I mean, I know you can't just go by this and apply it straight to the NBA. Like, that's not no. what this is for. But even in college, though, he was average in isolation, average on dribble handoffs, average as a pick-and-roll ball handler. Yeah, I so, think like, he's, like, fine. It's not It's not even a shot at him because – and, by the yeah, way, Florida, Florida State's really weird. If people, don't, if people haven't watched it or listened to this podcast, Florida State is always a difficult evaluation because they always have a million guys who are super long. And, I mean, they didn't really have a whole lot of creation offensively on that roster this year like he ended up probably being the best guy but he you know that is a worst situation to be sure their offense is kind of weird I don't know his offense doesn't I don't, I don't hate it by any means and again he doesn't need to be a high-end creator of shots as long as he makes as long as he makes spot up threes like you love it if he did more than that but he shot 40 percent from three this year I'm not sure he's a 40 percent three-point shooter but I think he's certainly going to be average or better as a, as a catch and shoot guy that's kind of all you need and everything else is gravy for what you're asking him to probably do. And I know if you're drafting him at like number six and number six in the draft, you might want a little bit more than that. But realistically, if you get the guy that he's projected to be, which is, you know, a, a really good wing defender, not a shutdown guy, but someone who's versatile, who's long and smart and who shoots 38% from three, that's a long-term NBA rotation player. And it's not sexy at all. And I get that. And, he, and by the way, his upside is higher than that. I'm just saying, like, as a median outcome, that that's, that that doesn't sound that, that fun, but it's probably a top-ten pick in this draft. If you just get, like, even the least inspiring version of Devin Vassell is probably a guy who you can have use for for a long time. Oh, yeah, no, he's... I mean, the other part of his offense that actually was, like, really, really good, and I think you can apply it because it was in the ACC... Um, he was like a really good transition player, even in terms of his passing. Yep. Like he, he has like a good, uh, for whatever reason, you know, whenever he just has a good touch, especially whenever it's three on two or he just like makes like really, really good reads. 
um, whenever he's a he's a low turnover guy too. Uh, he didn't have great like assist numbers because I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure about his playmaking, but he didn't turn the ball over really much at all. I think he and looking up now, yeah, he had a six percent turnover rate, which is really low. Um, granted, he was not a high usage guy. His usage was twenty percent. That's really low. Um, for a guy who was more, I mean, by the way, Okoro's is almost exactly the same. So. But neither one of those guys was a traditional college number one offensive option. Like Devin Vassell averaged, this is very simplistic, but he averaged 13 points a game this year. And people are going to like recoil at that. But if you, A, Florida State's weird, B, he doesn't need to be a primary scorer in the NBA anyway. And like, I don't know, his his passing's not great, but I think he's an effective ball mover. He doesn't turn the ball over. His steal numbers and block numbers are really good. I don't know. There's a lot to like about Vassell. I'm skeptical of the upside. I'll be the first person to say that. But upside of that position doesn't necessarily mean like star upside. I, I think that he can be very easily like a plug and play starter. And starters in the NBA are not. A, that's not a small thing for me to say. Like that, that's a that's a sixteen million dollar player at the on the wing, even if he's just like an average starter. And if you get that guy six or seven in the draft, that that's a good outcome. I'm pretty, especially in this draft, like I think he's one of the safer guys. Safe's like a scary word for some people. But I just think that I don't really see how I don't really see how this fails entirely. Could he be a backup? Yeah, that's in play. But I don't really see how he flames out. That's that's kind of my thing. Unless he just forgets, unless he just forgets how to shoot. Yeah, I mean the worst the worst thing I've really seen from him is like whenever he like drives and gets walled off and he just still shoots it. Like he's got to he's got to stop doing that. And um, I think he probably will in the NBA, especially when he's not asked. Because yeah, again, saying, like, hey, Florida State, for, like I'm with you, but Florida State just had nobody else to do that kind of stuff, so he got a lot of flaming bags. But I'm with you. What you don't want to see him do is take some of the shots that he took at Florida State. But in general, when you're not asked to do that in the NBA, like it's kind of the same thing as DeAndre Hunter in a lot of ways. This is not a great comparison. But Hunter was a was like the number one option a lot of the time for Virginia. He took some some questionable mid range shots in college, and you saw that a little bit as, as a rookie. Uh, there were there was definitely less less of that though because he was playing with Trey Young and John Collins, and he knew at least somewhere down there that he was not a primary option offensively. And it might take a second for Vassell to not do that, but I, I think ultimately guys figure out what they can and can't do, or at least the, at least what the team wants them to do. And I think unless Vassell becomes a offensive player that I don't really see him becoming as a median outcome, most guys, not all, but most, like especially guys that project like he does as a role player, figure out what they should be doing as a role player, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I was just saying like as a potential, like I agree that he's really safe. I just think like if there's anything that's going to keep him from making it, it, it will be offense. Like if he just, for yeah. whatever reason, if – if he just, I don't know. There are guys that can shoot that just end up not being that good on offense. Um, I think he has to I be think, guarded, but I'm with you. That That's the yeah. thing. If there's a side of the floor I'm more worried about, it's it's certainly offense. I think defensively there's a chance that he's not a very good on-ball defender. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be terrible, but because he's not, he's not super strong, There might there is a chance that he gets picked on a little bit as an on-ball guy. But his instincts are so good off the ball, like – you don't have to be a great shutdown on ball guy to be a good wing defender in the NBA. And I think he's, he's more of an off ball, like second wing defender, which isn't a bad thing. It's just that, uh, guys like a Coro who flash on the ball, get more mainstream attention for it. But having an off ball guy like at the nail and being really smart and in the right place at the right time is really undervalued. So I, I trust his defense and offensively again, like as long as he makes shots, his floor is only so low. Like the only the only thing that can really tank him offensively is if his jump shot doesn't translate, and we now have two years of numbers where he shot well at Florida State. So I think it's going to work, and as as long as his shooting is okay or good, then it'll be fine. Yeah, I just I think his shooting is good, but I think it's just I don't I'm not in love with the off movement and stuff. Like, I agree. I don't, it I may don't not be know. impactful. Like, I'm I'm really just saying like the only disaster scenario is if you is if you don't have to guard him. Yeah, like, I just think there's a pretty realistic – like, I think it's realistic that he's good. I'm not saying that. I just think there's also, like, a pretty, like, decent, maybe the same size chance that he's just not, like, a great shot maker. I agree. Especially, especially when there's closeouts and stuff. Like, if, I think he could definitely stroke it if he's just standing there. But 
Like, it, I don't know. I just watched a couple games, like, when he didn't do well. Like, I just sat there and watched a couple games when he shot, like, two for ten and, like, what teams were doing to him. And I do think there's kind of ways to scheme him out. But if his role is to be the guy standing there shooting when you schemed out someone else, then, yeah, I mean, I'm not – I think he could do that. But I also think, you know, there's a chance you could look back and be like, how did he get picked ahead of Desmond Bain? If Desmond Bain hits a really high <laughs> how outcome on his – You, you know love I mean? Desmond. You love Desmond Bain. It, I, it could I understand. be someone else. It could be someone else. I'm just saying it could be someone that goes 22 and, you, and you're sitting here and they're – you know, they just hit on a better outcome. I just – I'm not – I'm just – if I had to pick him eighth or something, I would just – I wouldn't feel that – I don't know. Yeah, I'm I with got, you. I mean, by the way, uh, I know Vassell was a two-year guy in college, but he's almost a year younger than Neesmith. Uh, keep that in mind. Like, he's not – he's a pretty young sophomore. Uh, he's still older than Okoro because Okoro was a, is a one-and-done. But, um, you know, just to keep that uh, – we like to talk, talk about age. We mentioned the age somewhere along the way here. Okay, that's probably enough on Vassell. Let's go to Okoro. We, we might pop back to Vassell at some point, but we should spend some time on Okoro. Um, you know, Sam Bassini came on this, came on this podcast a few weeks ago and uh, made some waves by saying that the Hawks were interested in him. I had heard the same thing. Uh, Sam knows more than I do in terms of Intel stuff. He's definitely talks to more people than I do around the league, but I had heard that too. So uh, keep that in mind. Obviously, that caused a bit of a storm, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Hawks liked Okoro. In addition to being a local product, he's a really talented guy, uh, 6'6". Six nine ish wingspan's been reported. Uh, really young, uh, explosive athlete. Defensively, he can be a freak in terms of what he can do on the ball. Uh, hyper, like in terms of just like shadowing guys. People have used the shutdown corner phrase as like he just takes guys out of out of place. He's that kind of on ball uh, potential dominant guy defensively. Um, we'll talk about more about that in a second. Offensively. Again, I mentioned this before, but everyone agrees the shot is the big question mark. I do think that the rest of his offense is pretty darn interesting. I think his um, his finishing is really good. His passing and feel are really good. Uh, yeah, I think he also, you know, there are times when I wish he would do more offensively in college when you watch him. Like, I wish he would just, like, take the ball and go sometimes. But he feels the game well, and it's going to come down in a lot of ways to his jump shot. So I say all that. Uh What's your broad feel about a core that we can sort of dive in from there? I guess I'll just start off by saying I'm a little bit biased because I saw him in person one time. Um, my cousin played in the state final four and the girls' side, and the game after was McEachin versus Norcross, which is Brandon, Boston, uh, maybe can't remember the guy's first name, but Sturdivant. He went to USC, transferred to Tech. I think it's Kyle Sturdivant. Uh, so that was a Norcross's top two guys, and then it was McEachin was Sharif and Okoro. And Okoro didn't really score. He might have had five points in that game, but he made Brandon Boston work the hardest he ever works, and he let Sharif handle the offense, and they ended up winning. And that's kind of like just – I don't know. That's why I like the fit with Trey is because that's – Okoro wasn't a scorer in high school. He wasn't, you know, ha- like the guy dribbling around creating shots for himself. He already played with an elite point guard, and he knows how to win. And he pretty much – does everything else even if he doesn't shoot i still think he would be like worth 15 million dollars a year i don't know like the jimmy butler comparison is kind of crazy like i don't know if he'll get there but like i know what it means like jimmy butler really still can't shoot right now and he's gonna be all nba probably he he was uh jimmy 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 shot well or at least reasonably well for a while but now he's kind of gone back to where he and he's gonna he's gonna be all nba so like i i understand like that's a Coro. Like he can't really shoot and he's still one of the best players on the court. I'm not going to say he'll be Jimmy Butler because that's probably the 100% outcome is for him to be anything like that. Um, I think more of like, a, I think even Andre Iguodala is a little extreme. I mean, just that level of defense in the NBA finals and stuff. I don't think like people should just say that a prospect is going to be able to do that. Um, <laughs> considering like, four people in the history of the league have really done that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's in general, it's not a good idea to like take the absolute high end, high end outcomes. Yeah. But just the like board, the, but... that's the style. And yeah. Like, no, he's, he's really, he's really he's, good. He's strong. And like just at his age to be that strong and to have all these, I mean, it's just natural. He has all these intangibles and he's had, you know, he's been well coached for a long time. Like he's played uh big time AAU ball and you know, his high school team was like basically a national team. They play everybody. So 
Yep. He, he this is not he is like meant for the NBA. He's been like basically like escorted to the NBA through all the grass. I mean, he's one of those guys that has probably been playing pickup if it wasn't especially if it wasn't for uh COVID, he would have been, you know, in all these NBA runs. I just think it's going to he's going to be one of those guys that is like he's going to figure out whatever it is he's good at on the court and he's going to be hard to stop at it. Yeah, obviously the shooting is the big question. He shot 29% from 3 this year at Auburn, not very big volume. Uh he was 20 of 70, I think it was. That's a pretty bad uh you know, sample size. I understand that it's not not very good. Now, he still managed to be efficient. I think he was 59% true shooting this year. Uh, he's a great finisher, as I said before. Like he's powerful and strong, and has good touch around the rim. Uh, you know, straight line drive stuff too. Like I think he's an underrated ball handler. I think he's an underrated playmaker with the ball in his hands. Now, some of that stuff becomes more difficult in the NBA if you can't shoot. Uh, so I, I definitely understand that. And honestly, like I'll be real, it, it is much harder to love Isaac Okoro if you don't think he will be able to shoot. I understand that. I do think, like you said, there is a, a very uh, easy thing for me to see of how he works, even if he can't shoot, uh, because he's so good at pretty much everything else on the basketball court. Um, now, but there is a scenario where there is some downside if you really can't shoot. Like, you, it, it can be overcome, but if you don't have to be guarded out there, it just becomes easier to scheme for you, and some of the advantages that he'll have are, are, are going to be smaller if he never finds at least an adequate jump shot. But still, you know, and there also there's something that we talked about before in this podcast that I'll say again now, just as a theory that's out there, is that he may not be a perfect fit in Atlanta because I think he's not exactly a great fit for someone that, like, you know, in Atlanta, Trey does pretty much everything offensively. And there's a theory with Okoro that he, he needs to be more in like a, I don't know, egalitarian kind of offense where it's more movement-based and less, you know, less high pick and roll, less dominant, like one one ball dominant guy. I think he's still working in Atlanta. I think, he, I think this is a guy who's really smart and could fit in a lot of different places. But that theory does make some sense to me that you kind of want him with the ball in his hand sometimes. He's not as effective off the ball. He's a good cutter. That, that's very helpful. And the Hawks could certainly use that. But Especially, again, if he can't shoot, it becomes harder to put him in a system where he is going to be asked to space the floor sometimes in Atlanta, and he's not a floor spacer right now. Well, he's going to be asked to space the floor anyway. I mean, people, like the, people, <laughs> like, people like the Golden State fit, and they act like Steph Curry's not going to be dribbling around. Like, Well, the thing, the thing about that is any... that you, 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 put him, you put him on the court with uh, – I mean, I will say this. Golden State, uh, system-wise – Again, this could all change based on what happens this year in different places, but just purely system, what Kerr runs versus what the Hawks have been running for the last two years, Okoro is a better fit in what Kerr runs than what the Hawks have been running. Now, that does not mean it has to be that way. It has to stay that way. Because uh, part of why, you know, Kerr also kind of runs that stuff to his detriment. He doesn't run enough pick and roll for Steph, for instance. And also, anyone's a better fit when you're talking about playing with Steph and Clay. It's just pretty easy to play with Steph and Clay. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting to me. I think he can do a lot. And again, the cutting is a huge thing in Atlanta. They don't really have a cutter like that right now on the roster. Um, that would be very helpful. And also, he would be the best on-ball defensive guy that they have. I think Cam is a good defender. We, we love Cam's defense. But at least part of Cam's appeal is that he's a great off-ball defender. He's still good on the ball. But he's not the kind of like physical freak that uh, Okoro is. He's he's longer than Okoro. But Okoro is like potentially, again, I must always say potentially, he has the foundation of being a like really, really, really high-end on-ball defender because he is so physical. He shadows really well. He understands space. Um, I think Vassell is probably a better off-ball defender right now. Part of that is that he's uh, longer. And also, I think he just kind of plays the nail better and that kind of stuff. But on the ball, it's definitely a Coro. Yeah, going back to the, uh, the offense, I also hate that theory because, like, they're just assuming the Hawks are going to run the same offense for the next 10 years. And, like, th- and that's why I said right now, because it, it's going to change. Like, I'm pretty sure. it, if you have someone like a Coro, you change what you do. Like if Cam Reddish becomes a good facilitator and a good mid-range shooter, then they're going to do it more. Like it's, they're going to take pressure off Trey at certain. So they're not going to want Trey to have to score 35 and have 14 assists to win a game like they do now. Like that, that is what I, I hate that theory because like, yeah, if everything stays the same as right now, then yeah, then he's a better fit a couple other places. But 
this is about building like a raw full roster, a roster that can compete deep in the playoffs. You have to have versatility. You can't just let a six one guy just dribble it up every time. He's gonna get tired. He's already struggling on defense. He's gotta have some energy on that end of the floor, at least in crunch time. So it, yeah. I just think like if that's yeah, just like the ultimate way to overthink it. Like if you're the Hawks and you're sitting there thinking that, that's just how you screw up a pick. That's how you don't take Chris Paul. Like I don't know. Like that's <laughs> No, it's just, it's interesting. Just, I think that they will eventually take best player available, but this is a, this is a class where, uh, especially within tiers, and I would say definitely within tiers, you know, it's a lot of context dependent stuff in this class. I think that's definitely in play, but that's assuming that you evaluate guys similarly. So, I don't know. I think Okoro can and would work in Atlanta. I'm confident about that. Not everyone agrees, and that's worth pointing out. There's smart people that I don't think love that fit, and that's worth pointing out too. But I think Okoro is certainly. You know, long story short, someone I would be considering from like number three on as the Hawks. That's higher than I would like to take him, but considering what the Hawks have and what could be available in that range, he might be the guy that I prefer. Um, you know, especially if you get into that six seven range, he would certainly be on my list. I do like him a little bit more than Vassell. Um, but part of that's I like his upside more. I think Vassell, again, might be safer. Um just because of the jump shot. Okay, because you know, at the end of the day, even as someone who is, I think everybody probably can hear this, I'm very confident in Okoro, um, but there is still something to be said for it being difficult to function as a six five six six guy if you can't make jump shots. Uh, it's not impossible, but it's hard. Yeah, I mean, it's not, like, necessarily pretty either. Like, it's not like, oh, he's got a good-looking shot. He just needs to make a few more. Like, he does need to, like, rework it a little bit and probably just... I mean, honestly, he probably just needs to, like, get with a shooting coach and just maybe even come up with a new shot. Um, just, like, you know, a more NBA-friendly. Like, since it's already not that great, why not at least have, like, a better – you know what I mean? Like, if you're only going to make 30%, at least have a high release and get, like – so they don't get blocked. Like, it's not like you can be like, I don't want to change it because you're not making them now. So, I don't know. I, I think – that's the crazy thing about Okoro, though, is like you're sitting here, like just knowing that he might not be able to shoot, and you still have him ahead of Vassell. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think yeah. if you told me he won't shoot, then he has to be behind Vassell. Well, yeah, but you know, I'm just saying, like that just speaks no, to right. I just want to, I just want to clarify. I think he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually think he'll because he's such a worker. That's something that you always hear. Um, people, again, I don't have the intel that some guys do but everyone that i have talked to around the league including people that do what we do and other people that work in the league everyone that knows the kid thinks he's a great worker and that can be overblown sometimes i will i will grant you that um until it's weird but you know everyone kind of swears by isaac okoro as a as a good kid and as a kid who works really hard that's not a thing that we can know for sure but when you talk to people like i try to talk to people a ton about the top guys especially and I just tend to believe in a guy like that figuring it out to a certain extent. Do I think he's going to be a great shooter? No, I don't. But shooting is something that you can learn a little bit. Like it's not, it's not there. There are certain skills that are really, really hard to learn. Uh, shooting is not at the top of that list. Um, natural touch is something that he, I think he actually does have. And you see that around the rim a little bit. So I, I, how do I, I'm not even sure where I would, what where my median outcome is for his shooting. But it's not, uh, my median is like not a disaster. It certainly could be really bad. He could just be broken as a shooter. That's not out of out of the realm possibility. I don't think he's going to be Kyle Korver either, but he's going to be a uh, a guy who you're just hoping to get, you know, mid-30s from three out of and have him be guarded. It, the biggest thing about that is just make him be guarded on the perimeter. If he's, if, he's, if he's someone that teams have to respect to some degree, that's, you've just won the battle in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because, like, he's the kind of guy where if he has gravity, then he's going to make so many plays off of closeouts. Yep. So. As a passer, I mean, as a finisher, I like I like a lot of, I mean, ball handling, too. Like, he's a really underrated ball handler. For oh, someone yeah. who's not, like, a primary guard, he's well, really sticky with the ball. That's where I can actually, like, I'm not saying I can get there with Butler, but, like, I can at least, like, if you're telling me that you think Okoro's ball handling that he's if he landed in the right place first of all, which I do see. If you're, he's not going to be Jimmy Butler if he comes to Atlanta. So, 
just he's not going to be able to dribble that much. So if if you if <laughs> no. you want him to if you want him to become Jimmy Butler, then yeah, I see why you hate the Atlanta fit. But I just I don't know. I think if you're going to become Jimmy Butler, then you know you're you're just going to do that. I don't think it matters where you go. But um, you kind of see though, like his um his mid range, like it doesn't look good necessarily all the time but he kind of has like a weird like, like i would almost i would almost trust it as much as Vassell. like i know that sounds crazy but just he has a more of an ability to create space so like if he ever becomes like a good shooter i think he could kind of like have a little bit of a face-up game like you were saying like he he has he has little flashes on offense and to the worker point um you don't just look like that I mean, look, he's a beast. Like, he's really strong. When I watched him his uh, senior year of high school, he was already really strong. I mean, he was guarding people. Brandon Boston, 6'7", he's 6'5", and he was just locking him up. For people who don't know who Brandon Boston is, he's a five-star. Uh, he played at Sierra Canyon this year with LeBron's kid and stuff, and pretty sure he's going to Kentucky. If he's, he, I don't know. He, he might have done G League or something, and I didn't see it. But so he, Okoro basically locked him up. Um I think he, I mean Boston might have had 15 points or something, but he shot probably 30 times. So I don't know. There's a lot to like with Okoro, and I just I think all around, like I would agree with you, it, it is hard because of the shooting, but uh, the upside I, is just too much. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna pour cold water a little bit because I feel like we've gone too far in the other direction, even though I love him. Uh, he needs to be a better rebounder, especially especially in his profile. He needs to rebound the ball more, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure why he didn't in college, but it, it just didn't happen. So that's something that that's something to circle. I would criticize him for that. Um, I think physically he has every tool that you would want to go be a, a pretty good wing, wing rebounder, but it, it just wasn't there at Auburn. Also, he turned the ball over too much. Um, so th- those two things are worth circling of stuff that is not perfect. Um, I don't worry about either one too much, but just keep that in mind. Uh, if you're trying to look for things to knock him, the, the jump shot's the number one knock by far, not even close. Um, but there you go on that. I, I just like Okoro. Ultimately, I'm going to have him somewhere in that, you know, on my Hawks board, he'll be a little higher than my regular board because, you know, guys like uh, a Kong Wu are probably have to be knocked a little bit for the Hawks, for instance, just because of the, uh, the team situation. But He's in my top five or six for the Hawks, um, almost certainly. I mean, again, I would start considering him anywhere around three, four, three or four. Doesn't, doesn't mean I would take him there as the Hawks, but um, you're going to see him mocked to the Hawks quite a bit between now and October. The only way that he's not widely mocked to the Hawks is if he is if the Hawks get a top two pick. Um, otherwise, you're going to see his name associated with the Hawks a lot for the next two months, both because of the natural on-court fit and also because of the intel that is out there from Sam and other people that the Hawks seemingly like him. Yeah, I mean, they should definitely, I mean, be in on him just for every, obviously everything we've been talking about. But just I think from the most reason is just because they don't necessarily have a guy like that. Like, I think if you take Vassell, I mean, to me, Hunter and Reddish are better prospects than Vassell coming into the league and I would just worry that if Vassell gets cold shooting or something like he might just kind of get lost especially if they sign some people um and there would be that pressure to keep like putting him in there and everything but I just think a Coro's skill set being so different it's like even if even if he's not great right away or if he's not like if he's not shooting right away I think, you know, you can put him on the ball a little bit with the second unit. You can get creative and kind of, like, blend him in. And obviously that your what you do with him as rookies should not factor into your pick. But just in terms of the fit overall, I do think it's, like, easier to go find a median outcome Devin Vassell in free agency than it would to be to find someone like a Coro. Like, those guys who can, like, do special stuff on defense and have a little bit of game on offense, like, almost like Marcus Smart or something like those guys just don't hit the market. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I do think that uh, just in, in defense of Vassell there, I, your, your point is a good one. I do think that uh, 
the three and D archetype of what Vassell could be actually isn't that replaceable because there's everyone in the league needs two of those guys, and most teams don't have one. <laughs> Maybe they have one and not two, but like that, you you just need that player so badly in the NBA that you can't just rely on going to find it. But at the same time, I do think that Okoro's upside is higher, um, and I think he does things that uh, physically, especially that Vassell's not going to be able to do. So I don't know. It, it's one of those really fun arguments, honestly. Um, I, I don't I don't have like. If anybody thinks Vassell is a better prospect or that they have him higher than Okoro, I don't I don't think that's crazy at all. And I think it's very reasonable to have those guys on all sides. By the way, uh, just as a point on this, I've looked at a couple of the boards as we started talking. Um, they're basically within like three spots of each other on almost everybody's public board right now. Um, and uh, <laughs> going back to that, I just think it's funny because they're so we mentioned this before on the podcast earlier, but it'd be hard to find two different, two more different prospects that play the same position than Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro, provided that they're both good and they, they both are good prospects, but they're just like extremely different. And that, that makes it fun for me. Yeah. And that, I was talking specifically for the Hawks. Oh, I know. I said, yeah. For Okoro would be my preference. Um, like I said, when we first started, just no team, like, in mind, I'm splitting hairs. Like, they're really close. Because a lot of teams, you know, already have a couple defensive-minded players on their roster. And, you know, the Hawks have one, I think. I think Cam Reddish and then uh, Clint Capella obviously hasn't played yet. But as far as within the wing group, and the, they have one. They don't really have one in the backcourt. I mean, Herter can be competitive, but I wouldn't think you, – you, wouldn't, you don't really think defense when you think of Herter. He's like – his best on defense, he just doesn't kill you. He competes. He's not like a lockdown guy. So I just think getting a guy like that in the mix could be really effective. I think everyone on the Hawks uh, should be trying to get better within team defense. And so while Vassell would help with that, um, my preference would be to get the more impact on-ball guy and just kind of like at some point you just have to become like a professional team and everyone has to play team defense and like I just think that's something that kind of can be picked up a little easier than what you get from a Coro. Yep, I'm with you. It's uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. And again, I'm very confident that we will be talking about these guys a lot more over the next two months. The only way that we talk about them less is if the Hawks win the lottery, because I think neither one of those will be the guys that I would take at number one. But other than that, if they're somewhere between three and seven, we'll be talking about these guys quite a bit. Uh, all right, Zach, uh, any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, by the way, we still have one more, one more, one more position to go. We'll be, we'll, we'll be doing point guards at some point in the near future, probably before the lottery. But uh, until then, we've done we've covered a lot of ground on four full position groups so far. But any, anything to plug? Just check, uh, check me out on Twitter at ZHood underscore. You can find everything there. Sports. Yep. Sports. All, all kinds of sports. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Check out Zach's work. Check out my work if you'd like to at my Twitter page at BT Roland or the other show at Locked on Hawks. Again, please, 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 please subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll see you next time.